This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to Tuesday's episode, everybody. It is a doozy. And if you know anyone that has one child, you need to send it to them immediately. If you have more than one child, this episode is still for you because we touch on so many important topics in motherhood in general. Jess Meyer is the host of the Only You podcast. She is also the content creator behind the Only You pod Instagram account, which is blowing up. In this episode, she tells us about her story, how her and her partner came to the decision to only have one child when initially they thought they would have two or three. She has a whole community for families that have one child. She tells us why it was important for her to focus on this topic and what the response from the community has been. Also, like, why is having one child even a topic of discussion? It is so interesting to hear her perspective on that. We get into stereotypes of only children, the topic of selfishness. You know, parents are selfish if they only have one child, and then God forbid you're an adult that chooses to not have children. We also touch on Meghan Markle's comment that she made on Ellen. So this was probably a a few months ago. Meghan Markle was on Ellen. She made the comment that one child is a hobby and two children is parenting. Now, I will say that she was just telling what somebody else had told her, but she was saying it in like a very joking way and a lot of people took issue with it. So we discussed that comment and why it is damaging and also we get into the glorification of having many children. I think on television and in most people's minds, it's like this big fairy tale to have a big family with lots of kids. But in reality, it is extremely difficult, especially the way we live our lives today. And, you know, most families have both parents working full time. And it's just, it's a different life nowadays. Did you guys see on Instagram the comment that someone left that was like, back in the day, people had five to 10 kids. Like, what are you complaining about? You only have one. And it's like, oh God. Like, yeah, back in the day. We don't live back in the day. Things are very different, including how we are expected to parent nowadays. We know so much more about child development and like you know, proper parenting techniques. And it's like a full-time job just to understand how to parent well. Okay. So that's a whole other discussion. But anyways, you are going to love this episode. I had such a good time talking with her. Yeah. Her voice is also really soothing. Like she should make some like bedtime story app or something. So yeah, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Jess Meyer and welcome her to the Mom Room Podcast. So we tried to record this yesterday. My brand new microphone that was like $300 
decided not to work. I've been having trouble with it. So I hooked up my old $60 Amazon microphone and we are going to record this now. So yes, talking to Jess Meyer, she is the host of the Only You podcast and the Only You, what's the Instagram handle? Just Only You podcast. Only You podcast Instagram account, which is doing so well. If you can't tell from the title, it's about having only children or families with one child. So to start, I thought you could just tell us about yourself, your family, and how you guys came to the decision to only have one child. And was that something that you knew you only wanted one or did something happen and it changed your mind? Yeah, sure. So when my husband and I got together, I think we were planning on two. I think we were actually planning on two and a half, right? So you have two and then you kind of think about the third one. One was never even an option for us. We didn't really consider it. It wasn't that we had any negative feelings toward it. It just wasn't even in our our minds. So I remember when we bought our first house, it was pretty small and it just had two bedrooms. And we were like, oh, that's okay because the kids can share the room. This was before I was even pregnant. It was like... We just got married and we were already thinking that way. So I got pregnant really easily and I had an okay pregnancy. There were some weird things that came up, but overall it was okay. And then at 36 weeks, I was diagnosed with pretty severe preeclampsia and I had to be induced basically immediately. I had a very traumatic birth and my postpartum period was pretty traumatic as well. With high blood pressure, I was just really sick for several months after. And it was probably about a week in, maybe even the day I gave birth, that I started floating the idea of only having one. It's like, that is not what I thought it was going to be like. I don't want to do this again. And everybody said I'd change my mind. And, you know, some people still do. I'm one of five. Pierce has a younger sister. It's just not really in either of our family cultures to have an only child. So we're definitely more sure now. I'm pretty close to 100%, 99.9%, I suppose. But at the time, it was sort of almost just a trauma response. And so I think a lot of people were thinking like, oh, once you get over that, and they were telling me, you'll get over it you know, you're going to forget everything bad that happened and then you'll go on and have more. So don't even, you know, they just really didn't take me seriously. And that's when I created this show. It's weird to think that telling family and friends that, oh no, actually, I think we're only going to have one. And then for people to respond in a way that's kind of like, oh, you're going to change your mind. Like, you know, you're going to have more. It kind of like dismisses you're wanting to only have one. It makes you feel like there's something wrong with only having one. Like, why can't people just accept that we want one? And I talked on your podcast about, I always felt weird saying no, that we didn't want to have more kids. For that reason too, I felt like people were judging us. Did your partner struggle? Because while he's there and he's experiencing the birth and the trauma, kind of like from an outsider perspective, he's not actually the one going through it. Did he struggle with the decision or was he like on board right away with you wanting to only have one? 
He was really supportive right away, honestly. I mean, I think for partners especially, it's hard to see their loved one go through something so traumatic. So it was already like he had to watch me go through a near-death experience. But then after that, our daughter was in the NICU and she was pretty sick for a while. So his trauma, he was like on the other side of the window from us where he was just helplessly watching and hoping that she and I were going to be okay. So I think his introduction to parenthood was pretty pretty difficult as well. So he and I were kind of on the same page, sort of like, well, that was fucked up. That was nothing like how we thought it was going to be. I remember even during my pregnancy telling some friends, I thought, maybe I'll be a surrogate one day. I like being pregnant. This is the easiest thing for me. It was like not a big deal. I I recognized that for some pregnancy is like really difficult. For me, I struggled with a lot of anxiety. But even then the rhetoric was sort of like, oh, well, I'm a first time parent. The next one will be fine. Like the next pregnancy will be easier. And everyone kind of dismisses people that first time around. And it feels so invalidating and confusing. With the community that you've built, you talk to a lot of parents of only children. Has the conversation ever come up of when, you know, one person wants only one child and then their partner wants more? Because that must be so difficult. Totally. It comes up all the time. And I wish I had more advice for folks. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when you fundamentally disagree with your partner about what you want your life to look like? I don't know. It's like way above my pay grade. I always tell people to get a therapist immediately because <laughs> yes. I can't help you with that. You know what? I had someone reach out to me because I put out some content with regard to like choosing to only have one child. Someone messaged me saying that they were actually in therapy for themselves because they couldn't figure it out. And a lot of people ask me the question, how did you know? Like, how, how did you know? And I I never really know how to answer that. And I think a lot of people struggle with deciding whether or not to have more. And so like, what do you tell people when they ask, like, how do you know? My first thing is sort of changing the conversation to like, well, what would happen if you stopped, you know? Because I think that question can be shrouded in a lot of discomfort where it's like, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it or my child will suffer or people will think this or, you know, I think that question usually comes up because people are struggling with what will go wrong if they don't have another kid. And so once you can kind of like identify what those feelings are, I think The next thing I do is I tell people, like, here's a thought exercise. If you celebrate Christmas or whatever holiday, imagine yourself Christmas morning. You're sitting around at breakfast having cinnamon rolls with your family. There's a fire going. Like, this is a very comfortable holiday space, and it's in your house. Look around the table. Who's there? Like, hopefully your partner is there or whoever is, like, really close and near and dear to you, your friends, your community. Your child is there. Is there another one? Like, is there a second kid there? Or is there a high chair? Are you expecting? Like, in that dream scenario where it's the perfect morning, what does that look like for you? Because if the idea of a little high chair being at that table and an extra kid, you know, makes it even warmer and even fuzzier, 
then maybe you have your answer. And if it makes you kind of uncomfortable and like, oh my God, something went terribly wrong, if that's what it looks like on Christmas morning, then maybe that's your answer. So I just, I try to take the negativity out of it. I try to take the sort of beating yourself up, the anxiety out of it, and just try to see it in a neutral way. Ask yourself, what what do you want? And not worrying about taking all the outside chatter and, you know, other people's expectations of what your family should look like, like taking that away. And I like how you said a lot of people focus on what could go wrong if they don't have more than one, but like what could go right? I find myself thinking about that a lot as well, is like the things that could go wrong only having one, or I also spend a lot of time thinking about if we did have more, like think about all the things that could go wrong and like our marriage could be affected. The sibling like whatever the other non-existent child is, if we had another one, them and Milo could grow up hating each other, making each other miserable. Like, I think, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I think think a lot about things that could go wrong. And like, you know, right now, everything seems so right. So it's more nerve-wracking to me to bring another person in which could completely alter everything. I think people get so stuck on like the playmate thing. Your kid needs a playmate. And I find that to be really damaging to moms or or birthing people when it comes to like how much work it actually takes to bring these kids into the world. Like, yeah, she needs a playmate. I agree. She should go to preschool. She should go to the park. She shouldn't be alone in the basement all the time. We all agree on that. Does it have to involve my whole fucking uterus, though? Like, do we have to have this whole region be involved in that conversation? Because I think I can teach her how to make a friend. Yeah. Do I have to physically create the the play person? (laughs) What? That's great. That's so much pressure to put on someone. And I think the whole idea that pregnancy and birth or a lot of people will say, well, you could just adopt or you could just foster a lot of problematic stuff going on over there as well. But the idea that it's my responsibility as a mom to create a playmate for my kid, it takes away so much validating like birth stuff, you know, being able to say birth is really hard on your body and mentally really, really hard and postpartum. And there's also the nuts and bolts of it all, like having to leave your job or having to figure out who's going to stay home with that newborn or childcare or college or the million other things that go with bringing a whole new person into your household. So it's it's funny because I started this podcast and I thought we were going to talk about like only children is selfish, right? Like how to raise a non-spoiled only child, you know? Like I thought it was going to be about parenting and it's just not. It's basically a feminist podcast. It's basically about not letting people tell you what to do with your own body and, you know, raising a child who is comfortable in themselves and being able to be present and having your mental health intact. It's interesting because I always think about 
how like being pregnant, giving birth, you know, motherhood, especially early motherhood is so like, it's the best time of your life. It's, you know, it's just like sunshine and rainbows. And like, (laughs) you know, the day I gave birth was, you know, the most magical, it was the best day of my life. And I'm just like, I can't relate to those words. Like I can't. And like I was telling you on your podcast, I had a very like typical, like my pregnancy was amazing. No complaints at all. And labor and delivery was pretty typical, like nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. And even still, I'm like, what? Like people say this shit about like giving birth and early motherhood. It was terrible. I couldn't even walk. Like you're having to take care of this little human and you're physically like you got hit by a bus. I'm walking around in diapers. I can barely sit down. And I remember thinking like going to the early doctor's appointments, like I couldn't even sit in the waiting room. I was like, I just gave birth and now I have to come sit at the doctor's (laughs) office so that you can measure my baby's head. (laughs) What? I'm like barely walking here, man. (laughs) It's terrible. And part of my whole like reason for creating the platforms that I have is like nobody respects the postpartum period. Like the healthcare system, other people, even people's families. So it's funny that you said your podcast is basically like a feminist podcast because like I feel that so much and it's sometimes it feels weird to speak out about it because you think people are looking at you like, okay, you know, just because this is how it's always been. But it's so true. Like birth for many people, I would say for most is traumatic And people like to paint it as this, it's the best day ever. It's like, what? It's harmful. Honestly, I think that only in recent years have people been able to start being like honest about what it's really like. Nowadays, I feel like every year where I meet someone who has a newborn, they seem a little bit more prepared than the year before because people are like starting, we're in the early stages of people really talking about what it's going to be like. And I think part of that is also there's a bit of shame there where you don't want to share maybe the negative parts of your experience because you're ashamed that you didn't cope with it as well as you should have or you're embarrassed and you don't want to scare the other person. There's a lot of why can they do that and I can't? And I think if we're able to just meet people where they are and say, your experience is different than mine. Some people have five kids and it's not a big deal for them. Some people have one and say, I am absolutely never doing that again. And we're not comparing here because we're all parents. We're all in the same boat. So I think if we can alleviate some of that judgment and comparison, people will start being more honest. What do you say to people that make comments? I often get comments on TikTok, you know, because I talk a lot about how difficult parenting is and being the default parent. And I always get comments like, don't you only have one kid? 
I always get those. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so what what do you say to comments like that? That is a great question. I mean, I would love to have a snappy response to that, but in reality, my my little heart would be broken. I'd be so hurt. I'd be like, that doesn't feel, you know. I think it is important to have good comebacks, but at the same time, we can acknowledge that that's not okay. People should not be saying that. That's hurtful. You're allowed to feel a little bit of pain, a little sting. But once that's through, then it's time for you to comment back. I suppose I would ask them, what makes you feel like you can come on my page and say that to me? Or why does it matter to you? Parenting is hard no matter how many kids you have. Like hit them with the real truth because there is no smart ass comeback that's going to matter for them. I'm not going to get down on their level. I'm going to rise above it and just be like, what makes you feel like you should treat other parents like that? Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. 
you quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right, the quality is unmatched, you are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. I always think everyone's situation is so different that like you can't compare two people's situations and decide which one has it worse. Doesn't matter how much money they have, doesn't matter how many kids they have, because there's so many things that go into making something a difficult experience for someone, like their mental health. How much support do they have? How much sleep are they getting? Like, what is their physical health like? There's so many things. So I hate when people just look at these outside things like, oh, you have one child. Like, let me do the math here. Okay. She has four. She has it worse than you do because you only have one. Like it makes no sense. And I don't know if I was talking to you about celebrities that have kids, you know, people like to shit all over celebrities if they say anything about parenting or like something being difficult because they have obviously the resources to have a lot of help and I think I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like, Chrissy Teigen, for example, like she has kids, like she's been through like some terrible things, like with regard to pregnancy and loss. Her mom lives with her, like is a huge support. Obviously she has like nannies and all the money to be able to do whatever. And I was like, I still don't look at her and think like, oh my God, so easy because she is a human And she also has so many stressors that none of us have because of her, you know, being a public figure and whatever. So like, even when it comes to that, I try to have like zero judgment and be like, they too have very difficult moments. Like, you know, 20 minutes ago, Milo was raging in his room, banging the doors. (laughs) Like their kids do that too. And Mm -hmm. it's hard. And their struggles might be different because maybe they have to travel a lot more or maybe they're, you know, they have these obligations that they can't get out of. Maybe they don't have an eight hour shift. Maybe they have like a 20 hour shift some days and they just miss their kids terribly. I have no reason to judge people like that. And it's just none of my business, you know, of course. But one thing maybe I would say to somebody is like, I'm not going to participate in the unhappiness Olympics with you. I'm not going to play this game with you. I don't I don't care if you're getting less sleep than I am. I don't care if your husband doesn't do the dishes. Like I am not in that competition with you. I'm trying to make my life good. I'm trying to better myself and I'm trying to be happy. I'm just I'm not going to play this game with you because you're probably going to win. It sounds like you're pretty unhappy, so you're probably going <laughs> to win. You can just have your yeah. medal. I don't care. <laughs> I know like Based on the fact that you wrote this comment, you win. (laughs) You win. Good job. You are very unhappy. You proved your point. (laughs) So what are some of the biggest stereotypes of only children? And can we 
squash those. And I will say, my husband is an only child. Growing up, I didn't really know only children. Somebody asked me that the other day and they were like, yeah, it wasn't really common when we were growing up. And I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, you're right. I can't think of one friend that I had in childhood that was an only child. I think nowadays it's becoming more common because people are having kids later in life and cost of living is so expensive and yeah, things are just changing. But what are some stereotypes of only children? Because I think there's lots of stereotypes and it might make people, you know, uneasy about having an only child because they're like, oh, my child's going to be selfish and not know how to share. It's like, okay. (laughs) And those stereotypes have real life repercussions too, because I've heard teachers will talk about your child being an only in a sort of negative way. They'll treat them differently. They'll assume negative things about them. Like these stereotypes aren't just a small thing. It's massive and it permeates like every generation. So again, it's like one of those things that we're just now starting to talk about. So basically every generation before us has just happily accepted the fact that only children are spoiled, selfish, lonely, and like lacking in social skills, miserable, and just generally unhappy. Which is weird because like, is that a result of being an only child or is that a result of parenting. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's what you could ask any only child that. Like they've come to me before and they're in my comments and they're like, "Hey, I'm an only child and I had a shitty childhood." And I'm I would be if I responded to comments, which I don't. I would probably be like, "Did you have a shitty childhood because you're an only child or because your parents didn't give you a good childhood?" It's such an easy way to just scapegoat that whole situation and put it on this one thing that your mother or whoever it was didn't give you a sibling. How creepy is that? That they didn't want to produce a whole baby so that you could have a friend and so that the trauma of your childhood could have been mitigated by you having like a little companion to have to go through it with. Let's look deeper. Let's look inward. If my child had a terrible childhood, I'm not going to blame it on the hypothetical baby I didn't have. I'm sorry, but people on social media love to talk about their own, you know, life, which is like a case study. (laughs) Like it's a study, like an N of one. That's like the be all end all. It's like, well, I was this and this happened. So they, (laughs) I would like to generalize this to the entire world now. So draw your own conclusions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The people who come onto social media videos or, you know, take a one minute clip and decide to comment and, and say negative things to creators aren't necessarily the people who I'm basing my decisions as a parent off of. Because like, if that's how you're spending your precious free time as a parent, as a human, as someone who walks the world with only 24 hours in a day, we're not the same. Like you and me, we have nothing in common. I don't need to, I don't need to engage with this. I don't need to know how you feel about me. And I just try to move on from it. I also like to think there's like all these stereotypes about only children. You can find people who grew up in big families that have lots of siblings who are those things as well. 
Because really, at the end of the day, it's parenting, it's someone's life experiences. It's not the fact that you were an only child. Like, we can give our only children the opportunity to socialize, to play sports, to, you know, gain all the skills that people think you only get from having a sibling for some reason. Like, I don't know where these stereotypes come from. Like, was there one only child who was like a well-known, spoiled, like selfish, <laughs> and like he ruined it for everyone? And everyone was like, fuck this guy. This guy <laughs> sucks. We have to figure out why this guy is terrible. <laughs> oh, he has no brothers and sisters. Yeah. I'm convinced that it was just good old-fashioned sexism. I really am. I think some woman out there was like, no, I've had my kid, and I think I'm going to keep on living my life, and I'll maybe go learn how to read or something. And everybody was like, oh, no, 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 no. You are a mom only, you know? I think for a long time, like, you were either a spencer or you were a mom to a bunch of kids, and there was nothing else. And so when women started to decide, I want to, I want to do other things than, because the, the amount of time that we have to spend with our bodies, with our brains, with everything, raising a child, when people do it over and over again, we're talking about like a decade of your life that is being pregnant, sometimes nursing, raising these kids, especially back in the day, not working, not participating in anything that makes you feel passionate outside of motherhood like we put it on women for so long to basically just give up many many years of their lives in the pursuit of having a big family and while that is exactly what some people want to do and it's beautiful and I'm so happy for them some women started saying no and they started wanting to pursue education and you know their careers, they were skyrocketing and women started saying, I'm going to wait until I'm in my 30s or my late 30s or whatever it is. I want to wait until I have a great house and, and all these things. And I think that the stereotype of the only child being spoiled is almost like society's way of judging a mom for being selfish. I think those two things are super linked because a selfish mom and a spoiled child, they seem to kind of go hand in hand. That's interesting. The topic of selfishness often comes up when talking about only wanting to have one child or even, you know, women or couples that don't want any children. It's like, oh, you're selfish. I find that interesting. And even just listening to you talk when you were talking about women would have multiple children, like, and then they didn't pursue things like outside of the home, outside of the family. And that's totally part of my reason for not wanting more kids because I want to go do things. I have all these like dreams and goals and it's very hard to do that when you have other humans depending on you. Also, my husband's career is super demanding So it does fall a lot on me and I can't be like, I have to go podcast with someone. Can you cancel your surgery? Like it just, (laughs) it's not going to happen. I wish it would, but it's not going to happen. So I like have to find time for me to be able to do what I want to do. If 
Milo's sick. I'm the one that's home. Like my husband's job is a non-negotiable. It's like that comes first before anything else. And it has to. And I feel bad even like complaining about it sometimes because I'm like, he's helping people. But it's a weird thing to think about. Well, is it selfish though? Because your child isn't isn't struggling. When when you're pursuing your passions or you're making time for yourself, the child who exists right now, Milo, is okay. He's happy, taken care of, everything's going great. So how does it become selfish that you're not doing it again? Because I know that that hypo- hypothetical baby doesn't exist. There's no one to be selfish toward. Milo's good. Sounds like your husband's good. Hopefully you're good. So how are you being selfish? That hypothetical baby can't have his feelings hurt. Does not exist. I know. And the same goes for couples that don't want any kids. Yeah. It's the exact same conversation. (laughs) Good for them. And it's like mental gymnastics to like (laughs) think about this stuff. Because it's so true. And I think it's just such a common thought that's like, ooh, like she wants to focus on herself. Like, you know, but nobody says that about men. No, never. Never. There's a big problem with people who, and again, I'm sorry, I always go on feminist rants. Always. We'll be doing an episode about like Montessori, you know, toys or something. And I cannot help myself. But I think that for a long time and even today... People don't like seeing women just enjoy themselves and just experience pleasure. Like when I say something along the lines of, I don't want to have another kid because I just love sitting and eating soft cheeses and drinking wine in the afternoon. And I would like to do it like on a rocky beach. And I have to wait a while to do that because I have a toddler right now. But in a couple of years, she'll be down to hang. She can hang on the beach and we're going to have a great time. So that second kid will be impeding my ability to do that. When I say that, I want to enjoy my wine and cheese and like the sunshine in a book. I feel this part inside my body that's like, no, 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 don't say that. You know, like, don't feel that. Don't want that. You can't share with people that that's your desire or even like a priority to you. They they won't understand. They'll judge you. And if a man said that, Men can do whatever they want. Nobody cares. They would be like, like, oh my God, book a flight right now. (laughs) They would be like, wow, you book your own vacations? That's so cool. You don't have your wife plan your vacations for you? You're a great guy. You're a catch. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume 
consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. That sounds lovely, cheese and wine and a beach. And again, it's like, Why does that matter to not want to have a kid because you want to go do those things? Like it shouldn't even be a question, but I totally understand why you have that feeling. And I feel the same way because I talk a lot about the difficulties of parenting and like I have a really good situation. Like I am not like struggling financially, like we have a great house, like I have a great support system, like both of our sets of parents, like the grandparents are amazing, like super supportive. I don't have a bad situation. And so, and I still talk about the struggles of parenting, how difficult it is, like the mental load, like the, all of those things, the things that we all go through. And sometimes I feel weird talking about it because I feel like people assume like I'm in the worst situation. And it's like, no, this is just really hard. Like no matter, like you were saying, how many kids you have or, you know, all the the different factors that come into play. But I also feel that I feel like this internal like Oh, you're not allowed to say anything because you're not winning the struggle Olympics. Like, (laughs) you know, and I think that's like a female thing. Like, I think women struggle with that. Yeah, I think we want to be martyrs. We want to put others first. We're very nurturing. There's a lot of beautiful things about us. And I think so much of what we're dealing with when we question ourselves for being one and done is really extremely selfless. Because so many people out there are worrying about their kids or they're worrying that they're depriving them of this relationship that's going to be incredible for them. You know, whatever it is that you're beating yourself up for, it's usually because you really, really love your kid. And there's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't try to put that away. I think being able to come at it with logic and retrain our brains is where, you know, where the real change can lie. And I think it's really important to acknowledge your own capacity and that your capacity is different than somebody else's. So when that person comments and says, I do it with four kids and I never complain, you can just think to yourself like, oh, their capacity is different than mine. 
and you can move on. It's like we're not competing. Maybe their capacity is smaller for other things that are bigger for me. Maybe they don't have the capacity to be a podcaster. Maybe they don't have the capacity to do art, to read a book, to, you know, whatever it is. And also it doesn't matter because their life is theirs to manage and and mine is mine. So our capacities can be wildly different in different parts of our lives. And we can all still be cool with each other and be parents and talk about things that we do have in common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that capacity, the capacity. Yeah. And I think we talked about this on your podcast. When we talk about capacity, to have more children than your capacity might allow for is not doing anybody any good, you know? That's where the selfishness comes from. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because then there are going to be other people who suffer. My kid that literally does exist might suffer because that second child will take the the mental toll on me that I might not be able to really handle right now, the financial aspect of it. I mean, there's a lot going on there. If I personally just want to have a baby and I'm not considering anybody else. So like selfish shouldn't be the word. Nobody in the history of the world is selfish for creating a human person in their body or not. Like these are just choices we're allowed to make with autonomy and we should be able to love ourselves regardless. Mm -hmm. Carrie Bradshaw is not (laughs) selfish. I've been watching the new Sex in the City and like, I'm just like, wow. I I like to live vicariously through her on the show. (laughs) There's a lot of people who hate that show, by the way, and I think it's really good. I'm really liking it. Like, I'm liking it I don't too. know why people don't like it. People are mad. And I'm thinking, this is great. Maybe it's because all those women are just doing, they're just following their bliss. <laughs> all doing exactly <laughs> what they want to do. And I'm into it. But everybody else is pissed. I might be blinded just by like the outfits and the fashion. <laughs> like, because I'm just like, ah. Uh. And then I try and picture myself wearing the outfits and I'm like, oh my God, that would never fly here. When we're talking about Sex in the City, I just, I want to be able to tell you that in the whole original show, I don't remember any of their siblings coming to hang out and have Cosmos around the table. Those four ladies were buds with each other and they were as close as sisters. And none of their moms had to create any of the other ones. They all came from different places. So I don't know if they have siblings. We could get into that, I'm sure. But you can create friendships that are like sisterhoods. It's kind of what that whole show is about. And most shows. Yep, totally. I wanted to ask you before we wrap up about, because I know you posted about the Meghan Markle comment on Ellen, and I made a TikTok about it. So if people are listening and they're like, what are you talking about? Meghan Markle was on Ellen, and she recently had her second child, and she made a comment, I should say, she was saying what somebody else told her. Regardless, she said it on like national television, on the Ellen show, and the comment was, Having one child is a hobby and having two children is parenting. Like that's real parenting. I did a whole podcast episode on that. What was your initial thoughts about that? Well, I think somebody with that kind of platform has a sense of responsibility for what they say. 
I don't really care if she didn't come up with it. Like, we all say all kinds of things that we weren't the first people to say. But if I'm just laughing about it and loudly saying it to people, then there must be some part of me that agrees with it. And so the idea that because she didn't come up with it on her own, it like exonerates her in any way, I'm not, that's a stupid argument. I don't even consider that like relevant because she still said it and as a joke. I don't really know much about her, but I think her saying that is actually more of a symptom of the bigger issue that we're talking about. I don't think she is at the top of it. I don't think she's really necessarily perpetuating it. I think it's, I wonder why she felt uncomfortable calling herself a parent until she had to, you know, like that's a symptom of of a much larger issue. And I would hope that she's able to look inside herself and, and realize that when she had one, she was every bit of a mother that she is now. And whoever it is in the back of her mind that that made her feel like that, that's, that's really damaging. And it really made me feel sorry for her. So first I felt angry because I feel very defensive of my one and done parents. <laughs> Like, they were all messaging me. They were all so fucking mad. They were like, Jess, did you see... You would have thought she said on national television, like, Jess is a fucking idiot. You know, like, (laughs) they were, like, coming to me. You need to hear this. And she's... She doesn't care about me. I don't care about her. But I felt defensive of of the parents out there because I think that's incredibly hurtful. And that really made a lot of people feel awful. And... It reminded me of all of these things that we say about only children and one and done families that in this age of trying to be more tolerant and trying to be careful about the things you say to people and not assume things and recognize the damaging stereotypes, somehow only kids and one and done parents are totally being left out of this wave. Like we we don't get any of that. So People are allowed to say this stuff and and it still hasn't ever, there's no backlash. Nobody cared. Like I didn't see any really large publications mentioning it. It's like, it, it's a normal thing for people to say. So again, it's like, it's a symptom. There wasn't anything written about it because I researched it because I did that episode about it and I was like, oh, I want I wonder what other people are saying. And I'm like, fucking nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My issue with it was I feel like she had an opportunity. First of all, I hate generalized statements. It's like maybe for you, one child felt like a hobby. And for you, two children is difficult, which is what I think she meant by that's parenting, right? Like two is actually difficult. If that's the case, then here's a great opportunity for you to speak about your experience. And many people around the world will probably relate to what you're saying. But like, don't make this big generalized sweeping statement that is completely invalidating what, you know, a lot of parents are doing with one child. It's like, talk about your own experience. And like, that's what bothers me. But, and I say in the episode, like, I don't think she meant it to be, like, an attack on people, but obviously she didn't think through, you know, what those words actually mean. 
I think I mostly agree with her in a lot of ways, as far as I can tell from other things that she's said. I don't think she's a like necessarily ignorant or bad person, but you're right. She did have the opportunity to make a lot of people feel accepted and understood, and instead I feel like she went with a low blow for cheap laughs, which is, I mean, that's the Ellen show, really, so it fits the programming, I guess. <laughs> I, I would have never seen it. I don't watch Ellen. I don't know what they're doing on there, so I had to like download a free trial. or It was stupid, but I think... It's nice when people speak up for all of us and when people don't throw others under the bus. It's not necessarily common, though. There's going to be shitty remarks all the time, and there's going to be more shows that come out with a spoiled only child. There's going to be things people say, and everyone's going to laugh, and we just kind of have to keep trying to stand up for ourselves. And I think folks like you and myself who are willing to speak up and and be confident about it are really important for the conversation. When I first began the show, I was still in a place where when somebody would ask me why I'm not having more kids, I would talk about my birth trauma. And I would say, oh, because I could die if I have another one, which I guess is true. But I think for me, that was just the easiest way to get them to leave me alone and to stop the conversation. And it wasn't until I started doing this and talking to more people that I found the confidence to just say that it's not what I want and allow myself not to tell people my personal medical information. (laughs) You know, like a lot of us who had trauma don't necessarily want to relive that trauma every time someone at the grocery store asks like a stupid little question about your kid. So I kind of gave myself permission to not do that anymore. And for some, talking about it maybe is very cathartic and that's totally cool for them. But for me, when someone asks me why I'm not having another child, it's like an opportunity for me to be like, where is that question coming from? Because I'm no longer going to sit on the defense. I'm no longer going to wonder what I'm doing wrong. And instead, I'm going to wonder, what got you there? Why are you asking people that in the grocery store? It's so funny that you say that because it makes me think of when I was in a health food store and I know the clerk, like I was looking at products and I'm sure they weren't breastfeeding friendly, but whatever she was. And I had Milo with me and he was like a tiny baby at the time. And we had had this like whole like breastfeeding like issues. He was having diarrhea. Like it was just like this long drawn out story. He had like He was on the brink of jaundice and I was terrified of him having to stay overnight in the hospital and all this shit. So she just like casually asked me, she's like, oh, are you breastfeeding? Because I guess of what I was looking at. And I was like, I instantly felt the need to like tell her my 20 minute story about why I'm I'm not breastfeeding (laughs) instead of just being like, no, I'm not. End of story. Like, I don't need to explain why I'm not breastfeeding, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, you feel like you have to justify it with something, like, big. And it's like, no, I'm not breastfeeding. Then end of story. I tell people all the time, like, you don't have to overshare. People don't deserve your whole story. You don't have to quantify your decisions. It's You can just say no. No means no. It's a complete sentence is what we always say. No is a complete sentence. Just say no. If people need more information than that, they have a problem with boundaries. That's it. 
Yes. Okay. This is an amazing conversation. I'm so excited because so many people ask me about the only child thing. So I'm happy to have this episode to put out there. Where can people find you and your community and your podcast? I'm most active on Instagram. It's just at only you podcast. We're also on Facebook, only you a one and done podcast. And we have our website, onlyupodcast.com, or you can just email us directly at onlyupod at gmail.com. Our show is basically reading emails and responding to them. So if you want to tell your story, if you have a question for the community, we do four or five emails every week. So send it in. And besides that, you can also find a little more information about this book series I just launched today. I'm writing a series of children's books about an only child and we did a like a crowdfunding campaign and it was funded in under 24 hours. So we're definitely oh, going to get those published. <laughs> my God, that is so cool. Yeah. Well, tell me when it's done and keep me posted on that because I'll be a customer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you.